Turn with me over to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, chapter seven. Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse twelve through sixteen. And the initiative itself, of which I just spoke, um, there will be an opportunity for you to participate in about three weeks. We've got a couple of more videos we'd like to show you. Second Chronicles seven. We're going to look at t- verses twelve through sixteen. The title of this message is, The Prayer God Hears. The Prayer God Hears. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. 14. And my people who who are called by my name, Humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For I have chosen and consecrated this house, that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Lord, help us as we study. Let me just give a shout out to our Sterling congregation. Hello, Sterling. Um, This is a profound passage. It comes on the heels of the temple which had just been constructed by Solomon and dedicated by Solomon. And Solomon does what he can to try to to, to hedge all of the possibilities that might occur in the nation and, 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 and might cause God to be kind of at arm's distance. And so in his dedicatory prayer, Solomon says, if we blow it, and he says it very eloquently and over many verses, if we blow it, God, help. If your people really go left and you told us to go right, please don't leave us. And he offers sacrifice. And this beautiful house that he had built. God came in glory and power from, with fire from heaven. And, and, and consumed the sacrifice and, and, and showed his approval. And at that time it was not just Solomon there. All the priests, all the people, everybody from the entire nation had been invited to this consecratory moment. And everybody saw what God had done. And he had brought his approval which represented his presence there in this house. Oh, it it was a moment unlike any other. Indeed, when Moses dedicated the tabernacle, which was a tent, it was kind of a foreshadow of what the temple would be, which was a building. God came in fire and power the same way. But there were more people. The, The tabernacle itself wasn't situated in the promised land when Moses did that. This was a sealing moment for all of history. A sense of permanence. God said, I will be here. He didn't just say, I will be where you will be. And that the people of Israel at the time Moses was leading were wandering all over the place. He said, I will mark this place as a place where I will let my name stay. And then after the the beautiful moment of celebration... 
Solomon is done. And, and this celebration didn't just last for a day. It lasted for at least a week. Sacrifices innumerable. It says so many people sacrificed there wasn't a way to count all the animals that were dedicated. And then it's all over and everybody goes back home and they are excited about what God has done and they're still buzzing about it. It's like a great conference you go to. And, and, and the Lord meets you in a wonderful way and you just can't stop talking about it on the way home. You just, oh, wasn't that, oh that moment, that word was phenomenal. Boy, I got so much out of that. And when they sang that, the Holy Ghost fell. Everybody was talking. And Solomon was just basking in the afterglow. And we get this passage here. At night, when everybody was gone, Solomon was alone. God came and said, I want you to know, amidst all of the beautiful, spectacular things I did in confirmation of my presence and approval of my people, I want you to know this, that I heard your prayer. I heard what you said. And I realized there probably is going to be a time when my people just don't do right. I want you to know I heard. And because you've approached me like this, I want you to know I'm going to respond to your prayer. Oh, the kind of prayer God hears is that which is based on humility and a passion for his will to be done in the earth. Prayers that are prayed in arrogance, feeling like you know exactly what God needs to do for you. You already have a really good idea about the script that needs to be followed. The plan that you have that he needs to get involved with. Those kind of prayers God might answer, but his answer might be no. He just doesn't respond in the affirmative. The kind of prayers that that God answers in the affirmative are those which are prayed like this. With the reality that says, I know that I am not quite as right as I ought to be. I realize I got some issues in my life. And Lord, there might be a time when I slip that I really go left when you say go right. And it will not be my intent to try to disobey you. I'm going to do everything I possibly can. But I got Adam living on the inside of me. And I'm not blaming it on him, but he, he's there. And he's there more often than I want him to be. And sometimes I don't do right. I just need to know when I blow it, are you going to help me? Is there going to be a pathway, an on-ramp back into your presence? Might you allow me the privilege of experiencing your forgiveness? Oh God, if I do, help me. That kind of prayer is always one that God responds to in the affirmative. Because it reflects a heart of humility. Now, that prayer is not one which should convey inevitability. It's not one that... That, that kind of acquiesces to your weakness and says, oh, I'm only human, so I know I need God because I am going to mess up. It's one that says if, not when. If. Now, the reality is I don't know anybody who hasn't had a win. There have been wins all in your future. I got that. And now your future was your past, but there were wins. And you knew you were going to do wrong. But the posture of every Christian ought to be that which is comprised based on if. My whole attitude, God, is I want to obey you every day of my life. I want to do right by you. 
I want to please you. I don't want to do anything that brings shame to your name. Oh God, I'm praying this prayer. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil today. That prayer should not get old to a Christian. It's not something that a baby Christian prays and moves on to something else. It's what every believer ought to hold on to it daily. Say, I am not so mature as that I cannot fall. But it's an if, not a when. Solomon was, was hedging on the if. And God said, I heard you. I heard you. And I, I don't know if there is a more poignant time whether it be in our nation, our nation's history, or in the life of the Church of America, where this prayer should be prayed more targetedly, where it could be prayed more accurately. I don't know if there is a more important time. Our land's pretty messed up. Not in good shape. The consequences of our disobedience are evident. Now you say, well, Pastor, you know, we haven't experienced drought and locusts and pestilence. Well, ask Texas. I got a friend of mine who runs some businesses based on agriculture, selling tractors. And he said the last two years has been the hardest in the last 30 because there's been no rain out there. And when there's no rain... Nobody wants to buy a tractor because there ain't nothing to plow. There's nothing to harvest. He's struggling. Ask Texas about drought. Pestilence. Pestilence means disease. Why do we need a national health care plan again? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. I'm just saying the need is there. Why is that? Why are health clubs popping up every place? I, I, I don't think Israel had a roving health club in the wilderness. It's just my sense. I, 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 I don't think you could just drop into a tent and get on a treadmill. God had a divine way to keep his people healthy. It was called diet, not dieting eating right and considering the fact that they had to walk every place the exercise just happened it just happened when people ate the way God said eat they lived a long time and they were healthy but when disobedience came stuff happened locusts eh, okay we have pesticides don't we so we can fix bugs but anybody want to eat the food that has pesticides? Everybody's going organic now, aren't they? Huh? Why? Because bugs eat our food. And even if you want to, don't want to talk about the natural, let's just talk about the financial locusts. Let's talk about those locusts for a minute. Ate up a lot of equity, didn't they? Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Now, I don't, I, I'm not trying to pronounce doom and gloom on our society. I'm just trying to heighten your, your awareness that things have happened and all of a sudden we've gotten used to a new normal, but it's not supposed to be this way. 
And maybe it's time for us to pray the prayer that Solomon prayed and realize we are in this situation, that we are suffering the consequences of our disobedience, that drought, locusts, and pestilence are afflicting us. But because we live in a world where we have felt that regularly or intermittently from time to time, we just think, ah, this is life. This is the way it is. And we settle when God wants us to live so much better. Now, I'm not talking about the American dream outside of the will of God. I'm not pursuing something that just kind of strokes my own inner sense of prosperity. I'm talking about making sure that this nation is pleasing to God and that we are doing what we can to export benevolence, kindness, and his, his word to every people group we can find, whether within our borders or outside our borders. Consequences of disobedience, let's recognize them. And you say, well, we're, we're not teetering on the brink of disaster, are we? I don't think so. But I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was in 2008. Did it, any, anybody else? When, the, when everything fell apart financially? Did you think it was going to be that bad? I don't think we're there because I feel the mercy of God. But I say the possibility is there because I know us and I know where we're going. And I know that morality is not even a, a, a topic that is bantered about as being a legitimate focus of discussion. Nobody's even saying whether morality is something that we need. It's just let everybody live the way they want to live. Do what they want to do. Don't press me, I won't press you. Everything goes. Everything. I was watching the uh, thing called Game Day, which is, I like football. Game Day is when they, the, the ESPN group goes to a certain campus where a big game is happening and they set up an entire set there and they, have, they review all the big games of the, the week and they, they talk about that one. And they, they talked about one ball player who every week um, paints his toenails the color of the opposing team. And, and, and the guys who were sitting there commenting, trying to figure out what to make of this and to make sure they were politically correct, they all said, well, that's different. May I say if I was on the set, I would have been thrown off. And wouldn't have apologized once. That's not manly. There is nothing manly about that. I don't care if you're trying to make a statement about the opposing team. There are many other ways you can do that to paint your toenails. Toenails. Man doesn't do that. There are some cultural things that we need to hold on to that bring distinction between the sexes. I'm not an androgynous preacher. I don't believe in it. I believe there are differences and viva la difference. Do not convey that as intolerance. It is standard keeping. Paul said this. To the church at Corinth. 
Isn't it right for a, a woman to have long hair and for a man to have his, his, his head the way it should, and a woman to have covering? And he goes through this in 1 Corinthians 11, that a man should not have his head covered, but a woman should. And long hair is... A, now, do you know that he was speaking to a people that were Gentile, us kind of folk? He was not talking to a predominantly Jewish audience. And, and, and the Jewish audience would have sounded more like this, that men wear the covering and women don't. So what was Paul doing? He was saying there are distinctions in your culture which need to be kept in your religious keeping. You all do it like this. These are distinctives between males and females. Now, we have taken that passage, and we have looked at it and said, well, this is what women ought to do every place, when Paul was just trying to bring the gospel down into one particular culture. That's all. And so women feel like they got to wear hats in church. And that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, doesn't your culture say this? Well, I agree with your culture. That's all he's saying. As in our culture would say, never will a man wear high heels in the pulpit. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> Half of y'all laughed. Other you kind of uncomfortable. I, I well, you try, come on now. Literally, in that passage... If you look at it in context, not just reading it religiously, but if you look at it in context, mostly Paul was trying to address cross-dressing. That's all he was doing, that there ought to be distinctions maintained in order to honor the, the, the way God created men and women different. That's all he was doing. He wasn't trying to shut women up or put them in their place. All he was doing was saying, let's make sure we honor the way of dress as a distinctive. You may disagree with me, but go back and look at it. Our society doesn't have much respect for morality or distinction anymore. And so my point is, no, we, 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 don't, we aren't on the brink of doom, because, but, but only because of God's mercy. That's it. It's not because we don't deserve it. It's because he is merciful. And I could spend the next three hours talking about our decline in spiritual morality and natural morality. And it, it, would, it would become grotesque. But God said, I'm not even dependent upon the people out there to fix it. When it goes really bad out there, I'm not dependent upon them to fix it at all. All I need is my people, my people who are called by my name. If they'll do the right thing, I'll fix the rest of it. I'll change the whole world if my people will get right. So rather than blaming everybody out there, the reason the world ain't right is because we're not right. If my people who are called by my name will do four things, humble themselves, Pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. If you just, listen, if this was the only Bible verse you knew, you'd be all right. You just do these four things. Humble yourself. Begin to look at yourself as God looks at you, and not with an elevated sense of your own humanity. 
You're not all that. You aren't special to him and thereby can get away with whatever. Humble yourself and realize that he is God. You are not and you must obey him. Humble. Recognize who he has made you and how he has made you and how he has shown his mercy and kindness to you on a regular basis. And the only reason you do not suffer the full consequences of your own disobedience is because he is merciful, kind, gracious. I was on the phone with somebody the other day and they were talking about Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira were the first two people who died in the New Testament. And they died because they, they pretended to give more than they really gave. So everybody was given and selling property. And they came in and <clears throat> they decided we're going to sell this piece of property. Piece of property but we're going to keep 50% ourselves. But we're going to act like we're giving it all. And so they went to Peter. And, and Ananias said, here's the money. Peter said, is this all of it? Ananias said, absolutely. The entire price of sell sale. God tells Peter, why are you lying to me and the Holy Spirit? You shouldn't do that. And immediately Ananias dies. Read this last right there. Now that, that's a rough church meeting. <laughs> Generally you don't want people to walk in alive and not walk out. That, that's, not, that's not a good way to have a church meeting. That'll ruin attendance, I promise you. <laughs> Nobody, people die up in there, man. You go in, you don't come out. <laughs> now, the, the guy I was talking to on the phone said, man, why did, why did God kill him? I mean, he gave. He gave him the offering. Why did God kill him? I said, I, said, I understand where you are. I really do. But, but wrong question wrong question see what Ananias represented was the basic tenor of all of humanity that wants full credit for half work we want God to bless us without qualification for only giving a little bit for tipping him every once in a while when he helps us for throwing him up a thank you when we have been blessed immeasurably for not giving our entire life to him and all that we possess, but giving him a Sunday every once in a while. For not tithing, not offering, not giving to the poor, not practicing pure and undefiled religion, visiting widows and orphans. No, 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 no. We don't want to give all. We just want half, but we want all. That's all Ananias was. And I said to the gentleman on the phone, I said, wrong question. The question is, why doesn't God do that to all of us? How come we're all still breathing? Why has he been so merciful to allow us to half step for the better part of all of our lives and still be kind to us? How, the wages of sin, y'all, is death. How can he be so kind that he once decides, nope, not going to do it this time. We cannot judge him for that because wrong was Ananias and wrong have we been. And we get used to his mercy that we, we become entitled. 
We think it's the way things ought to be, and we forget how grateful we ought to be every day. I just preached you under the seat. Sorry. Humble yourself. Pray. Talk to him. Seek his face with all your heart, with all of your, not just his hand, his face. Not the, not the thing that gives you stuff. Him. Love him for him, not for what he gives you. Seek his face. Fellowship with him. Get up in the morning and start, start telling him how much you love him. Start singing songs before an I need ever comes out of your mouth. Just love him. Seek his face. And then turn. Stop doing what, you, what, what, what caused you to be separate from him. Stop doing wrong. Turn from your wicked ways. There is, no, there is no God responding without repentance. It's not that he doesn't see. It's not that he isn't compassionate. But without repentance, you keep doing the same stuff that got you in the place that you needed to humble yourself and pray and seek. God wants you to get on, get on the right road, turn from your wicked ways and start obeying. He says, and my people will do those four things, just my people, those four things. He said, I will hear. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive. He'll do three things. This is how he replies to us. I will hear. I will forgive. And I will heal. Oh, we need. We need to know that God hears us. That our prayers are not bouncing like a, a baseball on brass. Right off and coming back down. That God is hearkening to our cry. I will hear if you respond like that. And I promise you, I will forgive. <laughs> as bad off as you have been, even though you may have gone the wrong way for a long time, I will forgive you. I hold out that gift of forgiveness and do not retract it. If you do those four things, you will always have forgiveness. Releasing of all your debt. And I will heal. He'll fix what's wrong. Anybody need something fixed? Your finances fixed, your health fixed, your relationships fixed. God will take that which is broken and put it back together. He will heal not only the land, but your land, the land of your family, the land of your finances, the land of your occupation. He will heal that. This is the kind of prayer we need to pray, the prayer that God hears. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and we're asking that you would help us to be the kind of people that would respond well to you like this.